This episode is brought to you by Triggered 22 LLC, a veteran-owned apparel company. By purchasing a t-shirt, hat, or hoodie from Triggered 22, you're not only supporting a small business, but you're bringing awareness to veteran PTSD and suicide. Please help save the lives of those who fought for our freedoms. Visit Triggered22.com now and place your order. Let's help those suffering from invisible wounds. Is it Gracie 717? Yep. That's your gym? It's not my gym. Damien Puapolo owns it, and then I, I run the kickboxing program as well as Coach uh, Jiu-Jitsu oh, out wow. of there as well. Yeah. So you're all in on this. Oh, yeah. Welcome to the American Grown Podcast, hosted by Austin Sullivan. The American Grown Podcast will focus on people from different walks of life and their journey to where they are now. Now, turn up your volume and settle in for a great episode. Hi, I'm Austin Sullivan. This is the American Grown Podcast, recorded inside the ColorTech Creative Solutions Studios. Today, we have Christian Strictly Business Carr, MMA fighter out of Lancaster, PA, with a professional record of two wins, one loss, and an amateur record of five wins, one loss. Christian, welcome to episode 43 of the American Grown Podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to speak. Thank you for making the trip up from Lancaster, the Amish Mennonite country down there, mm-hmm. farmlands and everything. So how I first learned about you was from uh, Ross Stockdale. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that name rings a bell. Oh, yeah. I grew up uh, training with him a little bit and knew him through wrestling. He was back on the podcast in episode 21, and he used to live down in Lancaster and do MMA, and he recommended you as a future guest. So, awesome. Yeah, that's how I first got your name, and I'm like, let me let me look into this guy. So some of the topics we want to cover include your MMA journey mm-hmm. so far, and then also the gym that you not only train and fight out of, but you're working there as well, Gracie717. And then here are some of the, uh, the stats about you as a fighter. So this was updated August 11th. So you are the 62nd ranked of 172 active U.S. Northeast pro featherweights, the 22nd ranked of 55 active Pennsylvania pro featherweights, and the 345th ranked of 1,101 active United States pro featherweights. And this comes from topology.com. So all the listeners out there, I'm not bullshitting you. Go take a look and uh, check it out. (laughs) Start from the beginning. Where'd you grow up? All right, so I grew up in uh, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, in a little town called Landisville, uh, in the Hempfield School District down there, as well as growing up wrestling for them. So uh, I was homeschooled growing up, so I just kind of got to get to my work and get to the activities. That's that's basically, you know, yeah, the sum of it. Okay, any any uh, like for your family, brothers, sisters, anything like that? So uh, I have two brothers, two older brothers, and I have an older sister as well. And I'm the youngest. I'm the baby. Well, you're the youngest. They call me. Yeah. Okay, you're the baby. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so in in high school, any sports, any activities? What would you do? Yeah. So I I was a, a wrestler, uh, for, first and foremost for everything. I started wrestling at the age of four uh, for Penn Manor School District. Grew up doing that, and you know, did baseball, did some football stuff like that, and you know. Wrestling was definitely my place, and um, what what I put most of my time into through through high school, um, as well as training uh, jujitsu and kickboxing. When you say wrestling was your place, what do you mean by that? You know, I grew up playing multiple sports. You know, baseball, football. Um, I I played well in in all things I did. 
Um, but I really found uh, a place to stand out when it came to wrestling. Um, you know, I wasn't the most fantastic wrestler in the world, but, um, you know, the individual aspect of it allowed me to apply my work ethic to, uh, to, you know, really help myself stand out of the crowd. Um, you know, when it comes to those team sports, you can stand out as an individual, but you know, yeah, a lot of times it's a group holding things together. And sometimes when, the group isn't there and you can you can make things happen yourself and you can continue to build yourself in that in that aspect and i tell you wrestling's very much like you're on your own mm -hmm. like if you're getting beat it's all on you there's, there's nobody else that has your back you know there's no offensive lineman when you're the quarterback you know what i mean mm -hmm. you're you're very much a lone wolf yeah it's, it's it's a great way you know especially as a young kid to be able to build yourself uh you know, mentally in those aspects where you really don't have anybody else to blame but yourself. You have to learn with your with your problems as your own and not push them off on others. Yeah, no, I totally agree. Life after high school, what were you thinking? What were you looking to get into? Um, I know some people get right into trade school. Some people get right into work mm -hmm. or go to four-year college. Originally, you know, my goal was to wrestle in college. You know, I looked into Penn that. Penn State? Were you uh, thinking? Because they're a very good program. Yeah, if they right? would have had me, I would. I gladly yeah. would have gone to Penn State, but yeah. I, I wasn't quite that good. But you know, I I went and checked out some schools, and you know, I was very interested in wrestling in college. But it also kind of turned into a thing where I wanted to go to college to wrestle, and you know, as far as my academics would go, I, I wasn't sure if I was going to hold that end of the up of the bargain. You know, so um, I decided to pursue fighting MMA full time. So I had already fought, I had three kickboxing fights in high school, and I had my first two MMA fights while I was still in high school. Still in high school? Yeah, so uh, between my junior and my senior year, I had my, my MMA debut. I was 18, I think I fought a guy who was like 28, 29 Whoa. years old. Seriously? You know, so that was, that was kind of a crazy perspective, especially going into my, uh, my senior year of wrestling. You know, okay. Mind yeah. you, there's, some, there's great wrestlers in high school, but I also had kind of the edge of fact that i just beat a grown man up a couple months before that yeah you know so um that being said there were still some kids who whipped my butt in high school it, it gave me a little bit of a confidence boost ultimately that like set the uh set the ground for you know this is an option after high school is to pr pursue this full time well yeah i mean you're going against somebody almost almost 10 years mm -hmm. you know older than you okay so take us back through that that fight um so you're still in high school mm -hmm. Yeah, now you have a little bit of swagger, right? You just kicked this grown guy's ass. But what was that experience like, like diving a little bit more into that? It was crazy. Yeah, and fighting continues to be a crazy experience. There's there's never there's never a moment that is, um, you know, better than the next. Because in this kind of sport, you know, it's so do or die that um, every moment is your biggest moment. Although I start to feel more comfortable, there's still that aspect of, you know, this dude might go out and whoop on me. Um, so it's just a perspective you can't really get unless you're in that situation. Um, but coming up around the team that I came up with and being in the individual sports like wrestling, competing in jujitsu matches, competing in kickboxing fights, you know, it's kind of like it's what I came up doing in a sense. Although it was a very uncomfortable situation and continues to be, you find ways to make it normal. You normalize the stressful situations goes back to the mentality of the individual sports. You learn to take everything on yourself and you learn how to process those moments um, so that, you know, your mental process emulates itself from the time before and you can, you know, basically have a process. Yeah. Let me ask you this. What would the other kids 
Because you're you're in high school. What'd they think? Like what what do you think when they heard your or didn't did the kids not know? Like your yeah. your fellow students. Yeah. yeah, they they all knew. Um my coaches sometimes would get a, a little mad at me when I showed up to uh practice with my legs all bruised up because I was kickboxing and stuff. Oh, I got you. Right. Like maybe don't do that during the season yeah. kind of thing. They'd I got say, you to the you wrestling know? coaches not, were like, no, no. Yeah, not that. that they discouraged anything. But uh it also came into like my style of wrestling was super funky because of uh, the time I spent doing jujitsu, and there was always the constant debate of which is better, MMA, or, sorry, for MMA, wrestling or jujitsu. But growing up doing both, I had you know the Good ability to blend yeah. it. And I always tell people it's not that one's greater than the other, although situationally, you know, there's there's time and place for everything. But they complement each other so well. I was able to give people looks that they weren't used to because. No, I don't want to be on my back, especially in a wrestling match, right? Because that's where you get pinned. That's right. where you know yeah. they score their near fall points. But my comfortability of understanding what I can do from there gave me a lot of opportunity where guys would take me down. I'd sweep them to their back and I'd pin them. Oh, wow. Because there's these positions that they don't want to practice because that's the last place they want to be. But I'm practicing all the time in the gym because I got to know how to get off my back. I got to know how to choke people from my back. I got to know how to sweep people from my back. So it's kind of like... You could do 100 single legs, but you've never got swept on the way down from your single leg, then you're not going to know what what that feels like. Yeah, know what to do. It it gave me a different look that I think benefited me down the road. Again, at what age? Uh, Like 18? 17, 18? So my first MMA fight was, uh, I was 18, because you have to be 18 in Pennsylvania to fight. uh, Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You're fighting in high school Mm -hmm. against people 10 years or, or, or maybe a little bit older, roughly. How did that segue into you know, starting to train at, at Gracie 717 mm-hmm. and, and also now you're you're teaching and instructing, you know, the next generation there as well. Right. So it all started, um, I was I was actually working at a summer camp and we did a, uh, we did a martial arts camp for a week up there, right? Um, so up in the Poconos, I was working summer summer camp, Twin Pines, it's called. And so, you know, was interested in the martial arts camp, thought that was cool. My brother and I were both working up there together and we're, uh, we're like, we should get into something like this. So basically he took it to, uh, to look it up for the first time, just kind of looked up what's in the area. He followed MMA a little bit more than I did at the time, and he was like, uh, "Like jujitsu is what's like cool right now. Right? Okay, like, that's what yeah. that's what we should try to get into." So we find Gracie Seven One Seven just you know ten minutes from our house, um, and then it was actually me and my oldest brother TJ went and took our first trial class. After the first class, my brother Josh, who uh, ended up getting into it a lot more than TJ did, you know, fighting kickboxing, fighting MMA as well. Um, you know, we started going together. He's closer to my age. He's only about a year and a half older than me. So we're homeschooled, staying at my cousin's all the time because we can walk to the gym from there. Nice, um, yeah. So, you know, that was just our day-to-day was, you know, do our little computer school, a.k.a. play video games and, and then walk <laughs> down to the Call gym. Of Duty. And, yeah, yeah, get beat up by some adults. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> gotcha. So that's how you got introduced to the gym. At what point, you know, maybe we're fast-forwarding a little mm-hmm. bit, but at what point then did you feel confident enough or did the gym owners come to you and say hey you can start like instructing start teaching mm-hmm. like take us through all that and and shout out the uh, the gym owner who you mentioned off air uh, yep. i can't remember his name uh, damien uh, uh, puapolo is the gym owner and uh he's the head jujitsu coach there as well um so basically it started it was uh damien and my old kickboxing coach zach kelly um so zach was in charge of the kickboxing 
um, as well as he was fighting MMA, uh, and uh, now he's fighting professional kickboxing again. Oh, wow. So he was fighting MMA, and Damien was running the MMA program. So starting off with just kickboxing, Zach kind of took me under his wing. I would have done anything that guy told me to do because, you know, he wasn't steering me in the wrong direction with anything. Yeah. You know, so I was 16. He's like, hey, we've got a kickboxing fight. You want to do it? Yeah, I want to do it. Like I said, I would have done anything the dude told me. So I hop in for my first kickboxing fight. It was the first time I got to, you know, fight in front of a crowd and stuff like that. I was 16. My opponent was 16 or 17. Okay, and, and kick, a kickboxing fight, because I'm picturing like UFC, but kick, kickboxing, you're just... My, explain yeah, it. Minus explain. minus the grappling. Okay, okay. Right? So it's uh, just uh, punches, kicks, yeah. knees. It was a glory rule fight. So you have like your tie clinch. It's a five-second clinch um, compared to like K1, which is like one technique in front uh, in the clinch. You know, boxing with kicks. Okay, simple, gotcha, Simply gotcha. put, right? Yeah. Um, so I had my first kickboxing fight. I won that. I had another one a couple years later. But basically, more of the story was I was just doing whatever Zach was telling me putting my time in there, trying to help him out as much as I can while still learning. And uh, it was like he'd call me his protege, right? So then it got to the point where, um, you know, he's real busy, and he's like, uh, you know what, maybe I'm not going to be here a couple days a week. Would, would you want to start running these classes? So that was kind of my in- introduction to coaching. A little bit of like him letting me show stuff while while he's there coaching, and then, hey, man, just like a couple, couple days a month, we'll let you take over. Um, and that was like kind of my, my first look at it. And then I was working as a security guard at Spooky Nook Sports. Oh, yeah. That's right? a huge so, complex. Super cool spot. Yeah. I really enjoyed working there. But then there was just some days where I'd be working, quote-unquote, security. But I was sitting in my car and counting how many cars came onto the lot for the day. Oh, you know, really? for, for eight hours. And yeah. I'm like, all right, well, I could spend eight hours doing anything else. Yeah, yeah. And, <laughs> right. you know, uh, it'd be more worth my time. Exactly. Um, so then I expanded into uh, coaching a little jiu-jitsu at the gym. Um uh, when Damien let me do that, and then I was like, hey, like I'm kind of doing this a little bit. How can I do this full-time for real? Damien just pretty much blessed me with the opportunity of being able to, to coach with almost no questions asked. He just kind of lets me do my thing. I come to him and ask him all these questions all the time, but he's really helped me out in the aspect where he just lets me uh, make it happen. And, and what did you what do you think of that when he was just kind of like, you're, you're teaching, go at it? It's a lot of responsibility from my perspective because – I look at Damien as a coach, and he's always been, you know, uh, as, as many coaches I've had in as many different areas of life, whether it's sports or, or, you know, just mentality and stuff like that. He's always been very good at being super articulate at what he does and also a knowledge of being able to pass it on to no matter what style he's trying to teach to. You know, in jiu-jitsu, you have, you know, some moves that work for big and tall people, some work, mm-hmm. uh, moves that work for, you know, shorter people, some that don't work for one or the other because of body style maybe opponent's body style and stuff like that um and there's there's people i've worked with in all my time in the sport where it's like they know how they can do it but if you can't do it the way they can do it they can't show it to you um but damien's like always had that perspective where he's been able to um understand both sides of it you know oh this isn't working for me oh it's your legs are a little shorter you should do it this way type of thing so my point is is he does so well that i feel like i'm doing anybody a disservice if i don't treat it as you know as well as he does um so i try my best to articulate things in the same manner that he does mind you i'm playing a lot of catch up with all the knowledge he has for all you know he's been a black belt for 10 plus years longer than i've been doing it 
I'm just trying to take it one step at a time and respect every aspect of it so that, you know, I can continue to build to be as articulate and be as, you know, quality of coach that I've came up around. That says a lot, though, about about yourself because he's trusting you. I mean, he's obviously a veteran of Mm -hmm. this sport and of this uh, technique, um, you know, with with jujitsu. So for him to entrust you being so young, I mean, how old how old are you? 24. Uh, I think that says a lot about yourself as a fighter and as, as a person in general. Thank you. I appreciate that. And trying to trying to keep up with that, uh, you know, that look. So how many people attend Gracie 717? Like how many people come for classes and stuff? Roughly. I mean, you could get 30 guys on a Monday to jujitsu class. Yeah. And then, you know, have 30 guys on Tuesday and 15 of them are different. As a collective, I, I don't think I could think of how many people are there in total. Um, but just for jiu-jitsu, you know, like I said, there could be 60 guys you see in two different days. Uh, the kickboxing program's really taken off. We get usually like in between 20 or 30 people a class. Right now in the space we're at, you know, we're filling it up. That's phenomenal. Where mm-hmm. uh, Where is it located? What's the uh, address in case people like want to want to come? and? Yep, yeah. so we are at uh, 3515 Columbia Avenue in Mountville. We're actually right across from the Leisure Lanes Bowling Alley, if you've ever heard of that. We got a nice little spot there right now. You know, if things keep going as they are, we'll probably have to expand at some point. But, you know, nothing wrong with, with that. That's a good problem to have. The weight division that you fight in mm-hmm. is the featherweight. Mm-hmm. So, from my knowledge, that includes greats like Jose Aldo, Max Holloway, Conor McGregor for, for some time. But he, he's always fluctuating in mm-hmm. weight classes. And uh, what is it, Alexander? Volkanovski. Volkanovski, yeah. So, like, that's the kind of fighters we're talking about for all the listeners. I mean, that's your, that's your weight class. Mm -hmm. Is there any of those guys that you kind of maybe look up to or mimic their style, their movements at all? So, I mean, I look up to all those guys that, you know, are are the greatest in, in any division. There's certain people, there's huge aspects of them that I would love to, you know, implement into my style. But the major like perspective for me is that I have to have my own style. If I try too much to be somebody else, then I'm not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna be original. That makes sense, yeah. Um, but speaking of Conor McGregor, you see people in this sport all the time where it's like you're trying so hard to be this guy, and it's not genuine, and it's not you. Yeah. And like he's done what he's done. It's fantastic, but you know he's also kind of fallen off the deep end a little bit with a little bit of what he's had going on and. Um, you know, it's not sustainable. I always talk to people. It's like Conor McGregor did so many crazy things early in his career. You know, his run to the featherweight title was insane. He goes and wins the lightweight title. That's crazy. You know, he loses the Nate Diaz. Yeah. He has this world burner mentality and he's killing everybody. Okay. You got one chance to come back as that guy, right? Because how genuine is, is the look every time you come back after another loss? You can't talk about how you're knocking everybody out if you're not doing it anymore it's tough yeah yeah when you you can't back it up yeah Yeah, so i have a lot of confidence in myself right but i'm never going to be that kind of person you know because i have too much respect for the sport and you know what all goes into it to not be humble and not you know understand that anybody has a chance doesn't mean that i'm not confident in myself doesn't mean that it's not cool when people do it it's cool when people call their shots you know it's pretty crazy but there comes a point in all those people's career where they're not that that person anymore. If you can't be the loudmouth, then what are you now? So you're staying true to yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I think is phenomenal because, yeah, you see so many young fighters coming up and they, they exactly they they want to be 
the smack talk or they want to do the moves and, and act as if they, they've been there, right? Mm-hmm. But they're, they're not there yet. Yeah, it's funny. Conor McGregor, when you mentioned him and his fight against Nate Diaz, that was uh, that was tough. I'm I'm a Conor McGregor fan. Mm-hmm. Uh, been a fan since way back when he first kind of got into it. And yeah, that was that was tough to watch. Same thing with uh, Ronda Rousey when she was mm-hmm. into it. Like those two when she lost to was it uh, Holly Holly Holmes? Holly Holmes. Yeah, Nunes. Yeah, exactly. It's just like watching. I think I think with MMA fighters and whether it's UFC or, or whatever, I feel like the the fans, the people get so, mm-hmm. uh, I'm kind of tailing off yeah, here, but yeah, you get no so problem. invested mm-hmm. in your fighters. Like, I'm even more invested than, like, my football teams yeah. or, or baseball or hockey. Like, when they lose, I don't know if it's for everybody, but I feel like it, it just really hits home. It's it's so much different. And, you know, the fact you bring up the football is is a big thing. I don't know. Who, who are you a fan of? I'm an Eagles fan. Eagles fan, yeah. right? Right, so... Yeah. Eagles are doing pretty decent nowadays, to they my knowledge, are. right? Yeah. But, you know, 10 years ago, how bad were the Eagles? No, they were bad. Right? Yeah. But you were a diehard Eagles fan. Still a fan, right? right? You look at guys like Tony Ferguson, who win 12 in a row. Now I think he's lost, like, five of his last six. It's brutal. And now nobody's talking about how good Tony Ferguson was. They talk about how bad he is now, right? right? Yeah. But your football team is, oh, we went, you know, we went 12 and 14 last year, mm-hmm. or 2 and 14 last year. We're going to make it happen this year. Like I said earlier, every fight is your biggest fight. You know, you could have Conor McGregor beat Jose Aldo. If he fought Aldo again, his last win doesn't doesn't matter as much because, you know, he's got to focus on this one. Exactly. I mean, yeah. sure, it's going to play a role, the fact that he knocked him out so fast. Yeah. Right? But he's got to do it again. Right. Right? That's it. Exactly. I don't know what it is, but even my wife, she's like, she's like you're just, uh, you're different when you're watching... Uh, the UFC and watching Connor, it's just something. Maybe it's a connection. He brings the energy, man. Yeah, he brings exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, and I think all fighters do in their own way. You know, mm-hmm. you you have that core fan group. You have your coaches, friends, family, and then you know as you start to grow, you get these fans that just you know they'll follow you to the ends of the earth, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know. So now, what can you tell us about Maverick MMA? The way I look at it, and I don't know, I just did some research, but it seems like a mixed martial arts promotion company here in PA. Mm -hmm. So is that kind of like the UFC of Pennsylvania? Exactly, right. So uh, you look at them as organizations, right? The UFC is like the NFL, right? It's it's the biggest organization. It's the one everybody wants to be in. But, you know, you got these other football promotions too. Like, I don't know what they're called. Arena football, for example, stuff like that. But, you know, they may have a big following, but it's not as big of a following as, you know, the NFL, right? So mm-hmm. you got the UFC is like your NFL, and then you have some upper tier promotions like One Championship, PFL, Bellator. Um, those yeah, are Bellator. I've heard of that yeah, one. Yeah, those are pretty much like the top guns for everything. And okay. then you have so those are like your international promotions, right? And then you have your regional promotions, like a lot of the local ones around here are like CFFC, Maverick MMA, Art of War, Cage Wars, um, where you know they're taking all the guys from these regions in here trying to get them to the bigger stages yeah mm-hmm. so it's like the minor leagues in a sense but oh, that makes sense you're fighting as a professional so yeah so the better you do you, you'll move up exactly i got gotcha. you okay how much training do you do being a professional mma fighter i mean a lot especially like in in my fight camps which are are typically about like a two-month period basically when i'd like to know that i have a fight coming up it's about two months you know i have the privilege to be able to work in my gym so I'm there all the time. I'm always doing everything. There's not 
a month I, I've ever taken off since I started, you know. Like I said, that's a privilege to be able to be there as often yeah, as, as, as I can, right? So I'm always training, but then when it comes to fight time, I work into some more like specifics like upping my sparring and stuff like that, making sure I'm getting uh, some work with some, some high-level MMA guys, um, which I do up in uh, King of Prussia, actually, at a, a gym called Algeo MMA. Uh, a buddy of mine, Bill Algeo, he's a, in the UFC, owns that gym, and we have a bunch of regional like pro guys that we all kind of – meet up there and beat Whoa. each other up so <laughs> i love it yeah beat each other yeah, up so casual it's, you know, it is what all it is my, right? all my best friends we beat each other up on a weekly <laughs> so basis that's awesome. so, so well, yeah it's a great spot yeah. up there yeah you recently had a fight just two weekends ago august, august 5th august 5th uh, last saturday yeah um against what is it brian mitchell brian mitchell yep which you lost mm-hmm. i saw on social media and then of course looking at this tapology.com i was able to look that up and you got the cut at the eye or yeah yeah he punched me up a little bit. He, he got you a little bit. So now when in camp and training for an upcoming fight like mm-hmm. that, do you do anything different? Um, and what's kind of like the mentality going into that? Right. So like for this camp, you know, I get my original opponent uh, was a guy from Virginia. Uh, and I did my first probably month and a quarter getting ready for this one guy. Uh, yeah. And then about three weeks out, he pulls out of the fight. Oh. Yeah. So I, I ended up. Why did uh, he pull out? Uh, he's injured. Said you know, says his foot hurt. Okay, you know, I've been hurt too. Yeah, but, you know, foot's far yeah. away from the heart. You know, yeah. Everybody's everybody's got their own look on that. But so I get I get a new opponent uh, in Brian Mitchell. Right for me, you know, maybe I should, but I don't do a ton of I don't do a ton of film work. I have people who really look at film for me, and uh, they kind of tell me the what's what with you know who I'm fighting, and you know my coach always tells me you know this would be a good fight you know this is what you know we have to look at uh here um for me i look at it as it's good to know what people are strong at but i don't want to hyper focus to the point where i don't you know work my own game plan yeah with my last opponent he was a very good boxer and he he beat me with his hands a little bit so uh i understood that but you know i still fell short in some areas where you know i ultimately couldn't catch up to the point where i ended up losing that decision you know, props to him for not only did I have to change opponents on short notice, but he stepped up on short notice. He flew out from Colorado on three weeks' notice. Really? Yeah. From Colorado? To come make that fight, you know. And, and then he's got a fight in Pennsylvania where I sold, you know, probably 100, 150 tickets. Well, that's phenomenal. Um, so yeah. props to him for stepping into enemy territory and making it happen. We say it was a, a decision. It wasn't. Yep. And he came from Colorado. So mm-hmm. in Maverick MMA, you're fighting people from all over the states. Yep. Wow, is it also uh, overseas or no? I don't know. I don't know about if Mavericks pulled anybody out from overseas, but uh, I have been around promotions where, like, local regional promotions where they're pulling guys from Canada and stuff like that for yeah. some kickboxing fights. Because a lot of times, especially in like kickboxing, there's a lot of people with a lot of experience, mm-hmm. and then there's a lot of people with little experience that, you know, ultimately sometimes fights like that can't get cleared because this guy has too much experience to compete at this level yeah. and there's nobody local to match them with. I so they pull guys from wherever they can. You yeah. Know? You know, you'd mentioned your training kind of intensifies uh, the form you filled out to be on the podcast. Mm-hmm. You said you don't really like lift weights mm-hmm. or do anything like that. Why? So I, I do like, uh, I call it my joint maintenance where I'll do like some kettlebell work and stuff like that a couple times a week. But ultimately, like, what's important to me is doing stuff that's functional for what I do on a daily basis. And I have 
once again, that privilege to be in the gym as often as I am. And, you know, I can train jujitsu multiple times a week. I can train kickboxing multiple times a week. Sometimes I'm doing both in the same day. Sometimes I'm doing multiple sessions of both in the same day. Oh, wow. I like to take care of my body and focus on my recovery. Most importantly, be ready to work what what's going to need to be applied in a fight. Um, you know, as far as uh, consistently boosting my uh, technique by being able to be at all my drilling sessions, be all my pad sessions and stuff like that. So it's not necessarily being, you know, able to lift the most or being the strongest guy. A lot of it's maneuvers and, and technique. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Technical so destruction. Technical destruction. Oh, I mm-hmm. like that. I like that. <laughs> so now take us back to this Brian Mitchell fight. Mm-hmm. Where was it held? And then like, what's, again, walking into the octagon, you know, what is that feeling like? It was at the Wind Creek Casino and Event Center in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. So a pretty cool story about this was about 10 years ago, I went out to my first ever MMA fight at what was called the Sands Casino in Bethlehem. They've since rebranded to the to the Wind Creek. So 10 years after I go to my first MMA show, I get to fight my first MMA main event in the same venue. Oh, that's awesome. Which was pretty <laughs> neat. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to capitalize on it, but the experience is, is what I'm here for, you know. So leading up to the fight, I feel great. Just hanging with my with my team in in the back, and you know, just just hanging out doing our thing. I don't get like too amped up. I was gonna say, do you listen to music, headphones, or what? Yeah, I listen to music. We we had the UFC fights up on the TV. We were just okay. kind of hanging out, watching those. I just try to uh, you know treat it like another day. It's not that I don't get nervous. It's a very stressful environment. Uh, I gotta fight somebody in front of hundreds of people. I'm a, a professional. Everything counts so much especially early in my career because if i lose a a handful in a row now sometimes that's a, a hole that's hard to hard, hard to dig yeah. out of you know yeah. so and like i said it like my next fight's always my biggest one i had mentioned in a post on social media recently people ask me like what's what's it like fighting i said it sucks it's the greatest experience in the world but it's very stressful i tell them every every fight is like a, a job interview oh yeah i gotta go out there and i gotta i gotta win the interview right yeah and if if i don't go out and i don't perform i don't get the job it's just a way for me to look at it i've had big wins in the past i've lost in the past i know that i'm capable of beating anybody but at the same time i move left and they move right and everything can go wrong in an instant uh in this fight i did pretty well the first half of the first round i get hit with a clean right hand it's the first time i've ever been dropped with a punch in my entire life and now I got to process that real in quick, the biggest right? moment yeah, of my life. Real quick, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's something that's brand new. I'd never been dropped with a punch. Well, I never. I've never been dropped with a headshot. I should say. You know, I've got dropped with body shots and stuff training. Yeah. But I've never been dropped with a headshot in my entire life. You know? So when you get when you know when it hits you with that right, what's like vision blurry? Like what's going on? You know, you're stumbling back. Yeah. So I like I slipped. You know. So I tried to I tried to move. As he hit me, and then all of a sudden, I'm on my back, and I'm playing like an open guard position, okay. you know, trying to defend myself from my back. And I recovered well. I didn't take a lot of heavy shots on the ground or anything, um, which is you know another situation that I've never really been in. And so as I'm in the back, as I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, like if this happens today, how am I capable of processing it? And it's just, it's not something you want to think about, but it's something you right. have to think about because... 
like I said, you can beat anybody any day. Anybody can beat you in any day. So, you know, if you're not prepared for either, then, you know, you're not going to be comfortable out there. I always tell people it's like, I'm not nervous to fight. I'm, ner- I'm nervous of the outcome. I'm nervous of the anything can happen. Yeah. And I don't want to get knocked out in front of my parents. Right. Oh, you know? so, yeah, yes. Yeah. So uh, mom and dad, like, they yeah, they come and support you, of course. They're my biggest supporters, you know. Yeah. They, they, they've helped me out, you know, from the beginning, you know, paying for my gym fees from the start, you know, uh. to, to then, you know, just supporting me while I, you know, I wasn't going to college and I'm still living there and stuff like that. My dad, my dad's real into it. He understands it really well. My mom is as into it as she wants to be. Yeah. She loves the atmosphere. She loves being there. Really? She maybe doesn't understand the sport as much as my dad does. But they believe in me more than anybody, as well as, like, my brother does. And it's like my dad kind of has this thing in the back of his head where he knows how good everybody can be. But sometimes I think my mom thinks that it's impossible for anybody else to beat me so sometimes oh, i got you i'm sitting yeah. there and i'm like i try to play the cool guy situation but i know that every fight's gonna be super tough and she's like oh like how's he look and i'm like uh he, he looks like a pussy or something right. like that because <laughs> yeah because what am i supposed to say like so, oh i don't know he might knock me out yeah yeah especially to your mom right but that's awesome that they support you like that because sometimes you know parents and even friends and, and siblings could be like, why are you doing this? Mm-hmm. You're wasting your time. Like, what are you going to get out of it? But yet, they see how much you love and appreciate the sport. And, like, you know, you have ambitions. You have mm-hmm. goals. And they're supporting you. Like, we're all in. I think that's pretty awesome. Yeah. 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 And just like with my gym situation, um, I'm nothing but blessed to have that opportunity. Yeah. So now, when you're walking to the Octagon, uh, what's your what's your walkout song? Uh, you ever listen to Marty Robbins? So Marty Tell Robbins me. is like, uh, he's like an old country singer. Um, and he's, he's is that sing- the one with the big iron on his hip or something? So like that? yeah, that's that I, I've walked out to Big Iron a few times. Okay, um, and I've also walked out to the Master's Call by uh, Marty Robbins. The Master's Call. It's been my most recent one. It's off his album, I believe. It's called uh, Old Westerns and Gunfight Music. That's awesome. Yeah, it's good stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it's gunfight music, and I'm going out there to hit a quick draw on somebody. So. I love it. <laughs> that's perfect. From this last fight, what's a takeaway? What did you learn? A lot, you know, simply put, I got to be first. And, you know, that was, uh, you know, kind of my thought going into the fight. You know, my opponent was a very good counter striker. And, you know, when I've seen him in the past get a little pressure put on him, he tends to, you know, fall fall back a little bit. Um, myself, I'm a little bit more of a counter striker than anything as well. And I allowed, I allowed myself to overextend mm. and fall into, you know, his counter striking a little bit. He's a good boxer. You know, and he hit really hard. I, I had said to him actually after the fight that not only did he hit me more times than anybody had hit me in my entire career, but uh-huh. he also hit me harder than anybody has ever hit me in my entire life. Yeah, that's another thing that I had to deal with in the moment because he was, he was smacking me when he was hitting me. He hit really hard. Yeah. Real heavy boxing, you know. But if I went out there and, you know, put a little bit of a higher pace on, I think I could have had a little bit better of an outcome. But, you know, as they say, hindsight's twenty twenty eight. I can always look at it and... And say what I could have done, right? But right. what's most important for me is is how I develop from this, and you know we'll see what I'll do in the future. When you're going into the octagon and game planning, is it like I'm going for a KO? Is that what you're always thinking, or what? You so know, for for me, uh, or tap? You want to yeah, tap, right? I'm more of I, I'm more of a, a grappling kind of guy. I like to I like to choke people. So 
Um, I always say like if uh, if I knock somebody down, knock somebody out, it's probably by accident. Okay. You know, <laughs> you know of, yeah. of course, I, I want to go out there and win any way possible. Right, right. I right. think it's a little bit more fun to choke somebody if, if capable. Would you say that's more, obviously more technique? Um, but once you get them down, because it's, you know, I've seen where they, you know, they get their arm, and if, yep. if they don't tap, they're gonna break, break it, or you yeah. know, you get behind them. That's what like that's what gets you going. Yeah. So the mentality of it for me is. It's like in wrestling, you could win by pin, you could win by technical fall. So a technical fall would be if I'm up by 15 points, right? They just call the match, you know, like a mercy rule. Tech fall, technical superiority, is what, so that's what they call it. But you'd have these guys that go out and they get pinned. Like sometimes, you know, the number one guy goes gets pinned by the last ranked guy, and they're like, oh, he got caught. You know, kind of same thing with, uh, with, with a knockout for me. Sure, you know, there's, there's beauty in a knockout. You knock the dude out cold, you know, you made it happen. That's crazy. Right, but sometimes it's like, oh, you just got caught. Okay. Yeah. Well, if I if I wrap my arms around your neck and make you quit on your own conscious, then yeah. you know how do you deny that for me? Right. Right. You didn't yeah. get caught. Yeah. I, I you had, had no choice. I had technical right? superiority over you, yeah. and I made you quit. Yeah. I, you personally chose to quit. That is like higher on the uh, on the scale for me. That gets you going. Where do you see your MMA career in the near future? One fight at a time, like I said, you know, got to focus on on every moment that's in front of me. That's the biggest one. I think I have a lot of potential to to you know get to the UFC and compete at the highest level. Um, I'm still young. Uh, yeah. You know, I'm getting older every day, obviously, but I'm still young. And uh, as as long as I continue to treat every fight as the biggest one, I think that I'll be able to go anywhere I want. What do you think of Dana White and what he's doing at the UFC? Everybody's their own person. Sometimes, uh, you know, I don't like some of the things he says or his perspective perspective on stuff, you know. But how does anybody look when, uh, you know, all their perspectives are sh- are shared with the world? Right, under you know? a, a microscope, so right. So sometimes people are like, oh, did you see what he said? That's crazy. I'm like, yeah, I mean, I would never say that in public, but can't wait to work for the guy. There you, you know? go. Who are some of the mentors that have helped you out along the way? Damien Puapolo and Zach Kelly, you know, are, were huge in uh, helping me come up technically in these sports, but also just like, uh, you know, laying the plan out for me. Zach did everything that I did before I did it, you know, pro MMA, pro kickboxing. He always said to me that he made the mistake so I didn't have to. So there you go. there's a lot of situations, you know, in, in his early career that, you know, maybe he fell short and he could share that perspective on me. So um, I can understand that before it happens to me as well, right? And that was always huge to me. One of my biggest mentors in my entire life was uh, was my dad. You know, uh, being a uh, an excellent hard worker and always staying on top of me for uh, anything that I'm doing to make sure that I'm doing it to the best of my ability. And uh, you know, I wasn't the best student. And he, my mom would always talk about how he got straight A's, and and I'm always sit there. And I'm like, oh, well, whatever. He just does everything right all the time. Yeah. You know, it's easy for him to do it because he just does it right all the time. So I always just kind of looked at the way that he did things to the best of his ability at, at all times and tried to implement that into anything I had going on as well. Um, another big one for me is uh, old man Randy. He's my he's my chiropractor and one of my best friends. Okay, I had uh, that on here. Yeah. Uh, who's who's old man Randy? Old so. man Randy. He's uh He's like my 60-year-old uncle that yeah. I'm not related to. You know? <laughs> I love it. Yeah. But, uh, you know, he's he's such a great supporter for me. No matter what I have going on, he's always real with me, and he's always supportive. Uh, in my losses, he's been there to share a good quote with me, to, uh, you know, you know, 
helped me understand that, you know, this is just a bump in the road. But also tell me why things happen and help me understand that there's there's steps to be taken to make sure that things don't happen. But he always stays, you know, positive with me regardless. And I can't thank uh, anybody more than Randy. Old man Randy. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So it sounds like he kind of keeps you grounded. He's like a mythical creature, I tell people. Yeah. It's like uh, <laughs> old man Randy's like one of the, the most unique people I've, I've ever met my entire life. You go into a Best Buy, he, he knows the owner before you leave. <laughs> That's awesome. Type of guy, you know. <laughs> I just picture like a like A, like a, a big goatee? Yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah. he does. Okay. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Well, shout out to old man Randy. Old man Randy. Yeah, that, that's phenomenal. Also the best chiropractor in the business. Yeah. Renaissance chiropractic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, shout him out. Oh, yeah. yeah. Renaissance chiropractic, Randy Fry. He's the man. Everybody knows that. So now what motivates you to be the best version of yourself? The people around me. My brother, Josh, is, has always been a huge supporter of me, telling me he thinks I could beat everybody in the world, but also being honest with me when he wrestling matches and fights when things didn't go my way. He, he never yeah. has held back on me. You know, all my family, my grandparents are huge supporters. They've been to all my wrestling tournaments. They've been to all my fights. You know, they make custom shirts so they can stand out in the crowd. My girlfriend, uh, my girlfriend's family, they're at all my fights. They're supporting me through my weight cuts. You know, I show up to the to the family party and, you know, there's some extra celery on the table so that I, I have something to <laughs> yeah, eat. You know? Yeah, I was going to say, what's that like? The, uh, weight the weight cuts, no fun. But, yeah. uh also, all those people around me like to tell me how grumpy I am, but, you know. <laughs> yeah. I'm going through it's it. part Just, of it. I'm like, give me a week. I'll be all right. Well, do you want to shout out your girlfriend and her family? Yeah. Uh, the D Filippos. We got, uh, we got uh, Jeremy, Mr. Dad there, and then we have uh, Nicole and, and Miss Bell, my beautiful girlfriend. Yeah. What are you most passionate about? Obviously, really invested in my own career at this point, but down the road, I, I'd like to run my own program and be able to being that mentor perspective that I was graced with by the people I've mentioned growing up in this. So I'm passionate about building what's around me at the same time, building what's around me to benefit me in the aspect of I'm currently fighting and I want to build people around me so that I can teach people how to beat me up so I can put myself in all these types of situations I'm going to see against, you know, the best guys in the world. Um, But then down the road, you know, I'd like to be able to take a step back as a fighter and just, help people come up the way that you know others helped me come up um and i said i was i grew up homeschooled and i did cyber school and it was just like in my opinion a terrible learning space for me as far as like being on my own time doing the computer thing yeah but then like jujitsu was the first thing i ever did where i was like this is my element of learning being Mm -hmm. in like this first person position being able to ask questions in the moment being hands-on with things and since i've understood that for myself i've been able to implement that in anything else that i do in life and you know i just say that's my learning process now i got to get hands-on jujitsu taught me a lot but it especially taught me how to learn and it doesn't matter what it is i can take that perspective and build off that so my goal is just to help people in in that aspect and maybe one day have your own own gym exactly yep yeah perfect so what are the items you brought with you today first off i brought my amateur title belt that was here. I won for the Maverick MMA 145-pound title, and that was a really big one for me because growing up wrestling and stuff, I always did well, but there would be yeah. times where I would maybe uh, fall short of the top. Um, and then in my amateur MMA career, I was undefeated. I had my first title fight, and that was also my first loss. And, and for me, it was kind of like overcoming the peak of the mountain where 
not only did I, I made I made it to the stage, but I won on that stage. So being able to win a title uh, was really big for me, uh, especially because I had a, a few year layoff between this fight and my last fight before that because COVID happened, and then I ended up uh, tearing my knee up and having to get knee surgery. So I was, I was coming off uh, probably close to two, two and a half year layoff to come back, and I, I put on the performance of a lifetime for that belt. So so, so to get this belt here, mm-hmm. take us, like, you know, where's the location? Who'd you fight? Was it a uh, – go go through all that. Yeah, so this was uh, – I fought at the Split Rock Resort in the Poconos, yeah, Lake, okay. Lake Harmony, yeah. uh, it's called. Uh, so I was fighting. It was my first fight for Maverick. I was fighting for for their featherweight title, and I was fighting a guy called uh, named Nicarelli out of uh, New Jersey. Okay. I believe he was maybe three zero at the time. So undefeated. Wow. I think maybe he had one or two knockouts or submissions on his record. So I knew I was gonna you know be fighting a tough dude. And then I came out first round, hit him with a big low kick, and then put some pressure on him. I actually kind of sat him down on the fence. Did a little grappling. I think it ended up even getting taken down at the end of the first round. So I was like, all right, going in the second round, you know, he's he's tough and he's he's taking some of my best shots at this point. You know, trading back and forth. He shoots a single leg on me. I hit I hit the best lat drop of my life, threw him about halfway across the cage. That was pretty cool. But That's then awesome. uh, we get up, I hit him with a front kick, and he actually hits me with this overhand right that like snapped my head back. Ooh. But as he does that. I was standing in southpaw, and I whip a right hook through and drop him with a with a right hand. Yeah, and, you know, set him to his knees, and then I get on top and I uh, I throw my whizzer in. So he throws an underhook. So he's basically trying to build build a base back up. Okay. So I throw my whizzer in, and I'm just hammering it with punches. And yeah, real quick, a, a whizzer. What's, a whizzer. What's a whizzer. So yeah. you yeah. have your underhook, where basically like your arm would be under my armpit to okay. like try to jack me up, right? Which is you know your best position for trying to build up off the floor. Um, and then my wizard is kind of like a counter position to that. So that would be my overhook applying like counter pressure in there to stop you, uh, stop you from building a base up. So he's trying to build up. I'm trying to, you know, bear down. And in my head, I'm like, just don't stop hitting him. So I just keep like yeah. hitting him in the face. Um, then he ends up clearing his underhook inside and turn into the floor. And then my head just goes, grab his neck. Yeah. And I just choked him. Lights out. That was yeah. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. So then walk us through it. So choke him out yeah the fight's over what happens next like who's you know like who's the joe rogan guy coming with the yeah. with the mic you know they bring the belt yeah so what are you feeling first dude? off i scream at the top of my lungs yeah and probably almost flexed out because i was screaming so loud <laughs> um and then my brother comes in and probably punches me upside the head or something like that <laughs> but yeah and then you know uh, I, I believe sean joshua was mr joe rogan in this situation okay. he comes in and uh I think they were calling me the Great White Ninja because I was pulling out some funky moves in the that. Great uh, White Ninja, but it's, it's strictly business, and we're sticking to that. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, it was it was a cool one, and uh, like I said, with the layoff, it was just a big moment to come back to. Not only did I come back f- from a little while off, but I also came back in uh, you know a stellar way. So yeah, I was super psyched about that. That is crazy to be off for that long, having would you say knee surgery mm-hmm. then, and plus COVID thrown in there. Yep. Props to you. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah, seriously. So now, let me ask you this because you mentioned, you know, strictly business, and I want to bring that up. I'm sure a lot of listeners. How did you get that that nickname? How did that come about? So um, my brother's father-in-law, right, so his wife's dad, yeah. uh, came to one of my wrestling matches when I was in uh, uh, my junior year. So we were wrestling um, in their home school district of Ephrata, and then uh, it was the Ephrata senior night right so they they grace all the seniors for their senior night and uh, yeah. i had to wrestle one of their seniors that night 
I go out, and I hit a high crotch on him, and uh, just stick him on his back. And my brother's father-in-law is real into like WWE. We always had like a good connection over talking about old oh, wrestlers okay. and stuff like that. So of course he's into the nicknames and such. And he goes, uh, "Man, you went out there, all all business, strictly business." Yeah. Right? And so ever since then, uh, a, a bunch of guys at my gym started calling me that, and uh, you know they call guys that have been with me, you know since i was young they call me sb or strictly business or you know whatever yeah but that's fitting yeah i've just stuck with I like it. it yeah yeah because you are strictly business oh yeah perfect so now the brown belt tell us about that you know my brown belt in jiu-jitsu was just a look at all the hard work i put in over these years under my coach damien you know i came up around a, a, a ton of super tough guys growing up you know i'm always looking up to these guys i still do you know through their ranks in jiu-jitsu as as i was you know a young kid you know, I think I was probably Damien's youngest, one of his youngest blue belts he ever had um, because I came in so young. And then you just constantly always seek the next stage of it, you know, yeah. but it's it's kind of like you also have to have like this silent respect of you never ask about when you're going to get promoted and you never, you know, you never expect anything more than where, where you're at at the moment. True, truly honors me that, you know, he entrusts me with being this level under him, especially when... You know, it's not like I'm famous or anything, but I have a, a decent following and, you know, people yeah. people oh, know do. where I come from and uh, everything that, you know, I do is, you know, a reflection of him yeah. because of because of he's the one who's brought me up. So I just take it as a great honor that, you know, he entrusts me with moving me on to the next stage and, you know, continues to allow me to work the way that I do. Yeah, because it's, I mean, it's not easy. This isn't just given out. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's blood, sweat, multiple hours yeah multiple multiple hours mm -hmm. like yeah. i said I, I mean i'm still pretty young but i got my uh blue belt at maybe 16 and then purple belt around 19 19 or 20 and then uh i just got this last year and so i'm almost 10 years into this now and yeah you know we're, wow. st we're still kicking that's phenomenal and the last item you brought you have the gloves that you, yep. these are actually actual fight gloves yeah so wore. these are these are my uh my, my gloves from my uh, professional debut I fought uh, Shaquan Moore out of uh, New York. That was also at the Split Rock Resort. Okay. Um. So that that was the next major step after the belt, right? Because I win, uh, I win my last amateur fight, right? And now it's you know we're gonna take a step into the pro ranks. And my opponent had, I, I believe, around ten pro fights uh, along uh, boxing, kickboxing, and MMA. Um. You know he'd fought a lot of really tough guys. Um. And he had never been finished either. Yeah. So. Uh, it was a big fight for me. He was he was more so a striker than anything, um, but he also had like this real tall and like lanky build, which uh, you know is is pretty tough to grapple against as well. Um, so I I was in there and you know we're pretty neutral for a little while, and then I hear a, a voice out of the crowd that says three six old man Randy's voice. I would yeah. recognize it out of anywhere. So I hit him with the lead hook uppercut, and it kind of just changed the momentum of the fight. Um, and then second round, I end up uh, taking him down and choking him as well. So. Wow. Yeah. It was a good one. Shout out to old man Randy mm -hmm. coming through big. How can our listeners connect with you, follow along on your journey? You know, also shout out to, uh, you know, Gracie717 and, and mm -hmm. the gym there. Yeah. So uh, we have uh, we have me on social media, Strictly Business Car on there. Uh, Strictly Business Car, just, just one word. Or uh, Christian Car on any social media uh, platform. Uh, you can find me on there. As well as the gym, Gracie717. Uh, I, I believe in both links. Are, are in my Instagram and my Facebook bios for, for their page. And then, uh, you know, you can obviously follow them as well. You also have, I think, your own 
personal website with your own kind of yep. like apparel and yep. stuff? Strictly business MMA.com, I believe it's I believe it's called uh okay. from uh, Rama Digital Design. They designed that for me. Uh so it's just kind of a main hub. You can go look at my merchandise on there from MMA Tico, who makes uh my T shirts. Any fight news and stuff I have uh is on there. You can book private lessons with me as well as uh seeing my my personal schedule for when I'm coaching group classes at the gym. Awesome. Before we close out, is there anything else you would like the listeners to know? Support your people, your local people that um you know, are, are, are doing their own individual thing, uh, you know, on any stage they have going on because, you know, there's there's plenty of, uh, of people around that are capable of doing great things as long as uh, the support is uh, around them. So support those that are around you like they're the world champion. There you go. Do you have any fight yet scheduled? I know you're just coming off one. Yeah, not yet. Um, okay. We'll see what's up. I'm hoping to get uh, something running uh, in the late fall, winter time. All right, so I got a couple more questions. Cool, cool. And the one's been on my mind since you walked in the door here at Color Tech. And take, I'm, this is, I think it's phenomenal. I'm a big Harry Potter fan, uh-huh. and I'm a big Morgan Wallen fan. Uh-huh. And you're rocking the mullet, the glasses. Mm-hmm. Did anybody ever say that? So actually growing up, I had a little bowl cut thing going on. Did you? And uh, yeah. I'd wear the little circle glasses. People would tell me I look like Harry Potter. But yeah, I get the Morgan Wallen thing sometimes too. Actually, I think I just saw something about how he cut his hair or something. He did, yeah, yeah. yeah. So. He used to look like me is what it is. That's what it, what it is, like. yeah. And then the last thing, I'm just going to throw it out there because I think if you speak it into existence, mm-hmm. it could happen. You probably already have somebody. But if you ever need a, uh, a sports photographer, mm-hmm. a fight photographer, I'd be more than happy. I'd be honored to come photograph you. The reason I say that here at Color Tech, we also mm-hmm. have Blue Cardinal Photography, which local local people know. So we mm-hmm. cover all the local high schools, Lemon awesome. Valley College. But then myself as a freelancer, like I've photographed it at uh, Heinz Field, mm-hmm. Lincoln Financial, uh, Madison Square Garden Very for cool. uh, a bunch of different colleges. Temple, Louisville photographed their men's basketball at Madison Square Garden. Awesome. It's crazy. And I haven't I haven't shot in a while. Like I even did the fight in Phils. Mm-hmm. Um, never got to the Phillies or like the Eagles. That'd be like that'd be cool. But just throwing it out there. If you yeah. ever want a, pro- a professional sports photographer, I'm not looking for payment. I would just come photograph and that would be awesome. Give you the photos. We can definitely stuff. work something out. That'd be sweet, man. Awesome. Well, if you're good, I'm gonna I'm gonna close it out. Awesome. Sounds good. Christian Strictly Business Car MMA Fighter on the American Grown Podcast and the Color Tech Creative Solutions Studios. Thank you for joining me. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure. To see photos of today's guests and more content, just search American Grown Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review. If you'd like to be a featured guest on the podcast, please direct message or email Austin at AmericanGrownPod at gmail.com.